0: Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.
1: That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down District 4 athletics week in, week out in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey joined by, uh, looks like a couple of guests today. We've got Jack Frost
0: here in the uh, studio with us. What's up, Jack? Whew! Uh, yeah. Uh, just trying to get spring sports started, and it's not happening. This was supposed to be the first week of spring sports, and we have canceled everything. So, yeah, it's it's uh it's not fun. It's been a nice you know kind of relaxing week, not running to fifteen thousand events, but now we're rescheduling it all. So, welcome to uh, the twelve seasons in Idaho, and I still think spring is two more seasons away. Yeah. We're, we're
1: not, we're not close to spring. I mean, it's still, it's it snowed today in East Idaho. Like when's it going to stop? I don't know.
0: Like it's really no, I don't gross. either. Yeah. So yeah. Welcome to to spring sports. This is the way it always goes every single year for
1: sure. So it looked like, you know, if you're watching this on the Idaho YouTube channel, uh, it looked like when we first hopped on as well, Scott, you had a furry companion with you.
0: Uh, you know, as soon as you started the intro, um, my my girls have a cat and it decided it and, and it has no boundaries by the way it thinks it runs the place and so it hops up on my computer um all the time when i'm working and it just makes appearances wherever it wants wherever it wants <laughs> Jeez, i i don't even i'm not even charged of my own house what so yeah so here there's, we
1: go there's the cat again making an appearance so if you're listening to this audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, go to the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, hit subscribe, and then watch this video magic Valley Prepcast, because you're going to see uh, the cameo from now. What's your cat's name, Scott Luna, Luna, the cat. I, I think we talked about this on a previous episode, but I had just forgotten, but um, there you go. We'll see if Luna makes any more appearances. Oh, I'm sure.
0: Okay. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it will. Yeah, uh, you, you can count on that. I think the over under moving forward right now is three.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Black Cats may be, uh bad fo- misfortune. That's part of the reason why uh, the spring slate kind of wiped out right now. But that gives us time to revisit uh, the kind of the finish of the winter sports season. Um, both wrestling and boys basketball uh, state championships have taken place since the last time you and I got together for one of these Magic Valley prep casts. And so I, I wanted to start with wrestling because the big story is, uh, coming out of the Magic Valley was Minico again. Wins the 4A state championship. They just the depth and the numbers was just too much for anybody to overcome.
0: Oh man, what a what a powerhouse over there! And you know, and that's been the Minico way for quite some time when it comes to wrestling too. It's just uh, they're just so good, and they have they have a great collection of real tough farm kids over there. Um, kind of the country kids. And that's one of the things that uh, when I was talking to their coaching staff this week, it's that they alluded to that. It's like, we just got some real tough farm kids over here that just know how to get it done, you know, and uh, boy, winning it last year and returning as many as they did this year. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, I went up there and watched uh, some of the state wrestling and gosh, every time you turn around, there's a Minico kid wrestling, you know, so congratulations to them. But uh, the cool thing about Minico is, you know, they have, they have definitely have a culture. And, you know, some of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, all their coaches said the same thing. Okay. There's one. (laughs) Um, they all said the same thing. It's, we have a culture and, you know, Minico's culture is, is top notch. When it comes to wrestling, they, uh, they are, they have fun. They're competitive. They go on trips together. And, um, you know, they've got really tight relationships over there with each other and their, and their coaches. And, um, it, it's just a really cool thing and it's a machine.
1: Yeah. We talked about coming in on our Idaho Matt chat prep cast, our wrestling only podcast uh, that yeah. we do. We, we had a, a final wrap up episode last week t- talking about what happened at state and taking everybody's questions went nearly an hour. So if you're interested in hearing a, a breakdown of. Uh, wrestling around the whole state, not just Magic Valley, uh, you can check that out, the Matt Chat PrepCast on idahosports.com. But we were talking about, you know, ahead of state, you know, man, can anybody take out Minico? Like the one school we thought was Bishop Kelly because mm-hmm. they had they had some absolute studs. And we said, you know, all of their guys pretty much have to finish in first place for Bishop Kelly to really have a shot at it. And Bishop Kelly had five individual champions, which was the most tight yeah most of any school across any classification on the weekend.
0: And it still wasn't enough. To over- <laughs> no. no, I mean, you look at the depth and the amount of, you know, soldiers they brought to that war at state was head and shoulders above everybody else. I think it was 24, if I'm not mistaken, that Minico brought. Um, and the next closest was almost 10 less than that. And that that's significant. And like you said, I mean, even all those state champions by Bishop Kelly, not enough to catch the depth of Minico because that roster in Minico was just across the board, up and down the weight classes, loaded with with talent and potential state champions and people that can go very deep into the tournament.
1: Yeah, in fact, Bishop Kelly uh, took third. Caldwell finished yeah. in second place overall behind Minico. But Minico with 262.5 points, Caldwell at 207.5. Uh, the only gap that was larger was at the three a level, um, in terms of, you know, margin of victory. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, congratulations again to Minico and, and you talked to coach Clay Robinson a little bit about the culture that they
0: have. What exactly is it that makes Minico so good? Well, you know, I think the thing about wrestling is it's hard work, you know, and you have to kind of disguise it somewhat to get kids out. And if you have a culture that's fun and you're working hard and having fun, then kids are, are a lot more inclined to be part of something like that. And and that's something that they do really well over there. That, um, you know, coach Robinson does. He's, you know, he's a wrestling guy himself. I mean, he went to Declo and wrestled there, wrestled at Rick's College and you know, uh, coached at Gooding before he went over to Minico. You know, and everywhere he goes, it's just know a fun culture and the kids love it they're pranking their coaches all the time and um and so i think some of the better culture programs are the ones that disguise hard work and next thing you know you're having fun but you're getting it done with a lot of hard work
1: yeah it was really fun to see minico come through and um, you know, they had, a, they had some individual champions, but really it was the strength and numbers and, and the overall lineup. One other cool story I, that came out of state wrestling that I thought was pretty cool from the magic Valley was also at the four a where you got a pair of twins from mountain home. Um, Gabe Rosales and Daniel Rosales, they each win, uh, Gabe won the one Oh six title. Uh, Daniel won the 113 title. And on the homepage at IdahoSports.com, our 4A state wrestling recap—it's a picture of the two of them, arms around each other, nice. million-dollar smiles on their face. Um, Mountain Home as a team, Scott—I think took like between boys and girls—it was it was nine or ten athletes total—and they got the most out of that group because all of them finished top three, top four in their respective um, weight classes. So that was kind of a cool story as well from, from mountain home.
0: So, oh yeah. No question about it. I mean, there's some really good wrestlers in, in uh, district four. And as evidenced by back-to-back state titles, from Minico uh, Jerome state title a couple of years ago. So, and then have the twins in mountain home kind of be a, a nice feel good story. Uh, very cool.
1: Yep. And you can uh, check out all of our wrestling recaps. Our, our great wrestling writer, Al Fontes did a deep dive into every classification Uh, You know, all of the state champions, all the, you know, three time placers, two time placers, three time champion. He has, he broke down all the data um, that you could ever possibly want. And it's all on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right. Now let's shift to boys basketball. Boys basketball state took place last week. Before we dive into like specifically what happened with teams from the Magic Valley, just as an overall, you know, point here, and it's something I've talked about on all of our other podcasts as well on idahosports.com but and you tell me if i'm wrong here scott you've been in idaho much longer than i have but in terms of what i saw for and again 95 of the fans that are at these games are great they respect the officials they respect the opposing team they respect their own players and coaches but man that five percent is getting out of hand it is to me in the three years i've done this now this was by far the worst behavior i saw from fans
0: at state. But what did you think? You know, it's funny because you you hit it right on the head. I mean, almost everybody is fantastic. Um, And it's like running a school, too. I mean, in a school, it's going to be about 3% of the kids causing 99% of the problems. And fan behavior, same way. You know, it's funny because I I noticed it um, as soon as we got out of COVID because, you know, everything was normal before COVID. And then it it is so bizarre that we walked through this veil after all the crap that we went through and everything changed. You know, you would have thought that being cleared from the gym, not being able to watch your kids play, not doing this, you would appreciate coming back, you know, and and kind of realizing what you missed. And and certainly, like I said, appreciating it a lot more. But I first noticed a huge shift that very first year back to where I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was hearing. And collectively as a group, it just became this mob mentality. Um, and I'm not going to mention any schools, but you know, I, I remember watching their administrators come over to them over to the fan and we're talking adults, not kids, you know, and tell them to knock it off and calm down, you know, and I have just seen it get progressively worse. And it is a real tough thing for, you know, ADs and administrators to control because you want the passion, you know, you want your, your fans to be boisterous and loud, but at the same time, we are just becoming a a society in general. That's so governed by emotion and reaction and everything we do is reactionary, you know, not just at a ball game, but everything, I mean, go online and, and everybody's an expert. And they'll tell you the minute they know it, there's no filter. There's no waiting room. There's no green room for a thought. There's no on deck circle for the next bat. It's batter up. Let's go, you know, and it's like that with just about everything. And you watch these fans behave at these games. And, you know, I wish that we could film them and have them watch the film and see what they learn, you know. And again, it's not everybody it's like you said just a very very small percentage but good lord are they loud
1: yeah and it even extends from the arena to online where on our social mm-hmm. media the and i'll i'll share this story because it's public it's out there you can look at it on the idaho sports.com facebook page but we kind of had daily recaps of all the games that happened and at the one d1 tournament grace beat castle ford for third place and the castle ford fan gets on and I wasn't too impressed with grace. You know, we just were spent from the night before and, and playing lap way and all this stuff. And it's like, just, just say like, Hey, congratulations to grace. Like yeah. we didn't have our best effort. And but like, why do you have to like, why do you have to tear down the other school? I just don't, I guess I don't understand that either. Well, but.
0: it's funny because with this, with this reactionary environment that we are in, it, it is predominantly negative. You know, I mean, I think we're, we're negatively wired anyway, as human beings, we're, we're just, you know, that's just the way we are. I mean, think about it when you go to a restaurant, are you more likely to complain about the service or find the manager and compliment, you know, um, when somebody you meet leaves the room, are you more likely to, Hey, here are all their good traits. You're going to talk bad about them. You know, I mean, everything we do has got a negative tone to it, but now you factor in, and we used to be able to think about those things before we spoke, you know, but now because we're wired that way and we're living in this emotional reactionary world, everything is magnified on the negative. And so, you know, just go online and read. It's not positive, you know, a lot of it. And that's, that's the world we're in, man. And I hate it. And it transcends to sports because that is the most emotional kind of thing that you're going to do because it, it is so unpredictable. And then everything becomes so volatile and it, and it just really sometimes sucks the fun out of it when you've got those those noisy, noisy, uh, ignorant fans that think they know everything. I mean, I mean, come on, they're they're screaming about a call that was clear on the other side blocked by by six other dudes. You know, nobody can see it, but I'll be danged if they're not the experts on it. And then you wonder why we have a shortage of officials.
1: Shortage of officials and coaches. It yeah. extends both ways. Uh, so the next time, I would encourage fans. Next time you're at a game, keep an eye out for that. Watch the game on the on the field, but also keep an eye out. You know, is there somebody in your section that's being obnoxious, rude, and and step in and say something. Hey, you're representing our school and our community, and we deserve better. And another to take it one step further. If you can't find that person, it might be you. And maybe do some <laughs> inward reflection too, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree 100%, you know, and I, and you would like to think that after some of this raucous behavior that they get called out on it, they have a moment to think and they're like, eh, that wasn't very good, you know? So we try as ADs to monitor that as best we can, but I mean, it is so hard to do, yeah. you know, but it is what it is. And hopefully we just keep pushing this message out and, uh, and make sure that uh, we clean up our act in the stands
1: yep for sure all right well let's talk about what actually happened on the court you know no champions from the magic valley for boys basketball but a lot of good stories regardless and i think we got to start at the 1a d2 level scott you know the last time you and i did the the magic valley prep cast where it wasn't a state preview show or something like that right uh we talked about hey there's this big district game you know Richfield and Camas County and, Mm -hmm. you know, Richfield's got to win twice just to get the state. You know, if they win Thursday night, sets up this winner take all showdown Saturday. uh, It's a shame one of these teams is going to be left home. And then, you know, by, by gone, uh, <laughs> by doggone it, Richfield did it. They went yes. and beat Camas County Thursday, beat the Mushers again Saturday, and carried the number one seed into state because it's crazy to think that the number one overall team in the max prep rankings almost didn't yeah. make it to state. And yet when Richfield did get to state, they got all the way to the championship game and nearly pulled off a comeback against Kendrick. But ultimately, you know, they settled for second place. But what a season it was for... Coach Tabor and uh, the Richfield Tigers.
0: Oh yeah, uh, talking to Coach Tabor this week is—I mean—he's just ecstatic as, as he could be about the season. Obviously, the color of trophy is not what they wanted, but you know, really, you think about what they went through to get there, and the result that they got was not what they were expecting. Because you know, who thought that um, they would a get out of the district tournament, you know, and then b um, not have the powerhouse hanging around. Right. So these guys are just a a fantastic group of kids that are, I always talk about it and I'll say it again, those small towns with those farm kids and everything else, the true Americana, they get it done. And Richfield is, is just like that. And I, and talking to coach Tabor again, he mentioned culture. He goes, this is the best place in the world to be because um, our, our community is awesome. They support everything. And, and there's no other place I want to be in and, and the culture and, and culture, 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 you know. And so there's obviously a common denominator between all of these success stories. Um, and, and it is culture. And, you know, this is a Richville team that, you know, started out 12-0. and 0, And then they, they lost uh, Clay Kent for five games. And that, that hurt them a bit because they lost some tight ones down the stretch. But, you know, um, they, as seniors this year, this year's seniors, they made it as sophomores, to the state semifinal game. And I think that was the year that they kind of christened that gym too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Richfield. But, you know, it was kind of funny that, um, you know, they got some freshmen on the team. And, you know, when they got to the uh, to the Idaho Center, um, they, he said there was kind of a Hoosier moment because, you know, they came in through the tunnel and one of their freshmen boys asked, "Where where's, where's the gym? Because he's never been to the Idaho Center before. You know, and you can imagine – walking out of that tunnel when you get there and seeing that floor in that arena and he just said man talk about a who's your moment uh, for our little freshman uh he said that was a that was a, a lot of fun um but uh you know he said this this team was really embodied the culture that they started about seven years ago and i mean to the point that you know when you have culture you've got superstitions you've got little things that you do um you know for example they the 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 boys watch very closely what color of shirt and tie Coach Tabor wears, and uh, you can imagine what happens if uh, if they win and he's wearing it. Well, guess what? He wore the same outfit for three games in the district tournament, right? <laughs> so, he, uh, so that's that's some of the stuff that uh, that they do, and and that creates culture, that creates fun, that creates memories, and and uh, Richfield, man, what a, what a great season for them.
1: Yeah. And like I said, they got down to Kendrick and and the championship game and nearly came back. Jamin Fox hit a three, you know, with not very much time left to bring it to a one possession game. They just, you know, Kendrick made a couple free throws at the end to pull it out. And real quick on the opposite side for Kendrick, it was kind of a role reversal for them where, Scott, you and I did the football, 182 football championship where Kendrick beat Dietrich and Kendrick kind of came in as the heavy favorite. Well, in this game, Kendrick was kind of the underdog, right? Yeah. Richfield was the one seed and we're kind of the favorite. And so it was interesting to see that role reversal uh, on Kendrick's side as well.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's, that's kind of a, a good point because, you know, we always talk about this too, that, you know, football sets the tone, right? Football is what drives the bus for boys sports right out of the gate too. And, and if you have a successful football program, you know, chances are you're going to have successful boy sports down the road. You know, um, and that's kind of what we saw with Kendrick, too. You know, a uh, great football program and in those small schools, it's the same kids. You know, so you have athletes, you've got gritty, tough athletes and, and they, they got it done, too. So congratulations to them.
1: Yeah. For Kendrick, Nathan Tweet, the freshman, was the uh, MVP of the tournament. Uh, selected by the Idaho sports.com broadcasters. He's only a freshman and he's the kid that had the game-winning play in the football championship. He, he muffed that onside kick that's and right. they made that, and they made that goal line interception. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, been a, it's been a year for him and he's only a freshman. So
0: yeah. Well, yeah. What a year, right? Now you, <laughs> yeah. you described that play and I'm, and I'm thinking that's right. We did. We did totally. I remember that too. And that was, that was a yeah. great weekend too. That was tons of fun.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other big story I thought coming out of boys state was at the 3A tournament where Buell entered as the number eight seed overall. Nobody even gave Buell a chance to do anything in terms of opinions and results and Paul's picks and Scott says and (laughs) all the picks that were made on the IdahoSports.com website. Um, And yet, Buell makes it to day three, right? That's going into state, every coach always tells you the goal is to be playing on Saturday, right? You don't want to go two and out. You don't want to be done early. You want to be playing for something on Saturday. And that's where Buell found themselves playing in that consolation final on Saturday. What a great run for the Indians.
0: Oh yeah. Well, boy. And, and that's exactly right. I mean, you, the last thing you want to do is go to state and, and go to and barbecue, right? Make it to trophy set. You're playing on Saturday. You're playing for some hardware and that's what you want to do. And and nobody really gave Buell a chance, but you know, this is a Buell team that, you know, even Scott says in his picks didn't choose them to beat Homedale. They are better than their record because, you know, we played them uh, early on in the season and beat them by like 30, but you could tell that there were some pieces to play with there. And Dan Wynn, their coach, is a good friend of mine. And I, I knew that if anybody could put it together, Dan would. And so it, it was just going to be a matter of time before before they peaked. And you have to keep in mind, too, this is a Buell team that, you know, plays a really tough schedule and they do it on purpose. You know, they they started one, in nine, one and nine in their first 10 games. But you look at who they're playing and they're just getting better because, you know, even though they're the eight seed, they were four and four against tournament teams in that bracket. You know, so this was a, a, a pretty good uh, Buell team that, you know, went in with a, a game plan against number one Bonner's Sperry and and gave Bonner's Sperry you know, some fits because, you know, they held their top two scorers, Bonner's Ferry, to like two points at halftime. And, but the bench and the role players <laughs> lit it up and that proved to be a problem. Um, and in the second half, you know, they, they outplayed them, but you know, the damage was done, but this is a really good basketball team under a really good coach.
1: Yeah. It was a really nice run for Buell. Uh, Tate Trevino played really well. Uh, Kyler Kelly also did phenomenal for Buell. And so we wanted to give a shout out there to the Indians and what a great run they had
0: at state as well. Um, A couple of things I want to say about Buell too, because uh, talking to them, um, you know, uh, Coach Win was like, we, we feel like we're an entertainment production, you know. It's like roller coaster games, roller coaster season, you know. So they call themselves <laughs> calls themselves that. Um, and then you, you know he was even sharing some of their their pregame routines, postgame routines, and holy cow, yeah, you talk about a culture. Um, some of it I can't quite share. Um, I mean, <laughs> they, they even have a, uh, a, I guess, a certain pecking order on who uses the bathroom first in the pregame. I mean, even even the bowel movements are superstitious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I thought I had heard the weirdest superstition during girls' state when I was talking to the Shelly basketball coach for the girls, and she said, yeah, we have a lucky orange peel. We keep it in a little jar, and we have it on the bench with us. And I was like, okay, it's pretty odd, but I think yeah. you're – your your bathroom
0: pecking order takes the yeah. cake, right? You know what that that would be a really cool podcast. Just from around the state, let's find the weirdest, strangest superstition, tradition stuff that that these teams do, and and let's expose it. Wouldn't that be yeah. fun?
1: Yeah, we could do it anonymously too. We wouldn't have to attach it. Then maybe people would be more comfortable in, sure. in sharing that, them. But,
0: that yeah. would be a ton of fun. Man, but yeah, we were, once I learned the uh, the the uh the bathroom order i'm like okay that not heard that one before but it sparked the idea is like there's got to be some other weird stuff going on in other schools because i remember you know when i was playing um football we somehow we got it in our head that you know we, we went on a winning streak and and uh somebody said hey let's not wash our undershirts that's under our pads so we would just hang it up in our locker never take it home i mean you can only imagine uh, I mean, this, this plan concocted by teenage boys who really just have apparently no olfactories or, or any cares. And after a bit, it didn't take long before, you know, we'd open our locker and get ready for practice. And then you would just kind of, it would kind of stiff shirt, just dried stiff. You'd pick it up off the hanger and it was like starched. I mean, that's what it felt like. And then, you know, we were on this giant winning streak, coaches had enough. And so after practice and everybody went home, they went in and they washed everybody's gear and we came back the next day and were livid. I mean, we thought we were going to lose. We thought our season was over, you know, that week we went out and didn't play very well, but, you know, still ended up winning a state state title that year. And we thought a lot of it had to do with our superstitions and traditions. And so, that that's why i was really kind of gravitating towards making sure i got that on there
1: yeah that's uh wow um it is weird how mental uh the game is sometimes and things like that your your mental uh you know how you approach things and while you were describing that story the only thing i could think of was that uh state farm commercial with patrick mahomes did you see this during football season where the guys like i've got this uh you know, I've, I've never washed Mahomes' jersey. I tell him I oh, wash yeah. it
0: every day, though. And the, <laughs> yeah.
1: little kid, the little kid's like, hey, can I have this jersey? And she catches it and oh, passes out right away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly right, too. And that's probably what it smelled like. So, but now times it by 50 in a locker room, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. Well, the, the last big storyline that came from the Magic Valley for State Basketball, unfortunately, is something that didn't even have to do with anything on the court and that was at Twin Falls High School, where uh, basically the very end of districts and then into state, um, James Glenn, who I think he was, was in his third year as the Twin Falls coach replacing the legendary Matt Haar. Uh, He was placed on administrative leave. Uh, top assistant coach, Max Stannard, who had coached the Burley Boys last year was the head coach, kind of took over the team. Uh, Twin Falls got to state and had to compete with this big cloud hanging over their heads now we're not going to sit here and speculate and conjecture and all that stuff all we'll say is is we'll keep an eye on it and we'll see what the ultimately bears out between the school and coach glenn and but it's it's just unfortunate that that's how the season kind of came to a close for the bruins
0: yeah i mean it really was and the timing of it was was just really bad you know um, because it wasn't in the middle of a season it was like few hours before a big game to go to state, you know, and, and we're not going to, like you said, we're not going to speculate on anything, but you know, there's more that's going to, you know, come out and we'll, we'll learn stuff, but you know, I'm not, I'm not getting the impression, um, that it's anything like incredibly egregious, you know, I I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to say anything, but yeah. And then it was interesting to see, uh, um, kind of how twin was going to do because, you know, I'm not going to say anything that people don't already know. And if you went to state, you know, this, I mean, part of the controversy was centered around um, uh, one of their ballplayers. And when state rolled around, um, gosh, so many twin people showed up in white t-shirts with the twin logo. And then that player's number on their back. So, you know, we don't know what happened, but uh, there was obviously a huge show of support. That was going on for whatever reason, you know. But uh, then it became interesting to see what Twin was going to do, you know, under kind of new leadership uh, right away. And they got absolutely blasted by Skyview in that first game. And They just weren't even there. And and that was a the team they beat early in the season, you know. And it's like, well, okay, Twin's going to go two and out. Um, and then they get into the second game against uh, Lakeland and knocked them out and Lakeland was the eight seed and Lakeland put up a great fight twin got through it. And then here came the rematch with Minico and twin for consolation championship. And, uh, just a, a repeat of the district four title game where Minico beat twin on twins floor. And oddly enough, the ball was rolling or got started or the incident happened or whatever at that district championship game with Twin and Minico. And then boy how ironic it is that they loop back around and they play each other for the final game. Um and in a in an offensive juggernaut it was Twin winning 32 to 30. And you know um but they were able to kind of rectify whatever the their season was at that point. Um but then on another note in that same game that was the last game for Brady Trinkle at Minico. Uh because he is resigning And just gonna be A D. So that game had a lot of undertones to it, you know, uh with whatever's going on at twin, um, with the new head coach now, with you know, Brady's last game with district foes or whatever. So even though the score was 32 to 30, uh it it was still an interesting game. And it was fun to call because it was close.
1: Yeah, uh and I didn't know the if Brady had officially said anything yet, so I didn't want to Uh, go with that, but you're right. Uh, he's done a fantastic job with that Minico program. And now, you know, in the Great Basin Conference, there's a little changing of the guard here a little bit. You know, you've still got Coach Messick at Jerome, who's been there a really long time, and Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Bethel at Mountain Home, who's been there a long time, and Coach uh, Darren uh, von Hoffwagen at Canyon Ridge. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are kind of it. Everywhere else is kind of working in fairly new coaches.
0: Yeah. So yeah, fun. for sure. I mean, we, we have first year Kerosi at Burley. Um, and then of course, you know, if Mac standard decides to stay at twin or whatever happens there, I mean, he'll be brand new there. Um, and then uh, of course, Juan Martinez and Wood River, you know? So yeah, there's, there's only about three of those have been there for a long time and you named them. Yep, the
1: old guard and unfortunately yeah. coaching turnover getting more and more uh hectic with each passing year. So, um yeah, that's a wrap on state basketball and Scott with Spring Sports kind of on hiatus right now. We usually we usually take a week off anyways in between sports, you know, as we transition from winter to spring just to kind of decompress a little bit, have a week off to enjoy ourselves and Honestly, there's just not anything to talk about if there's no competitions happening with snow on the ground. So Yeah.
0: You know, so we uh, we are trying to have, I mean, down here in the Magic Valley, you know, those Eastern Idaho teams love to come this way uh, and get out of the frozen tundra. Um, and usually it, it's not the banana belt here like it is in Boise, but usually it's enough to where we can play games with Eastern Idaho. But even down here, you know, we're getting snow and it's supposed to be crappy tomorrow, but you know, we're hopeful that we're going to start our softball season Saturday uh, with a with kind of a four teams playing over at Twin, because Twin didn't quite get the snow that Jerome had. We were going to have Valley View and Sky View uh, come down from Boise and play us. And uh, all of a sudden, we're out because our field's not ready. And Twins was. They didn't get as much. And so if everything goes according to plan – Um, Skyview and Jerome will play at noon on Saturday, Valley View and Twin will play at noon on Saturday, right next to each other at their complex. And then we'll just swap teams. And hopefully that's going to be the start of spring sports. We'll see.
1: It's like a square dance. They'll trade partners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because with this time of year, two, two things have to happen. One, the snow has to melt. And then two, the field's got to dry out. Just cause right. the snow melts doesn't mean it's guaranteed. Okay, here we go. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. That's what people don't realize too. Is like you walk outside and you're like, Hey, it's sunny out. Why aren't you playing? Well, have you looked at our field? It, it can't take that much moisture, you know? <laughs> and it, that's what you have to, to understand and realize if the casual fan is like, it's not about really the weather at the time. It's like, what kind of beating did your field take? Yep. So,
1: so we'll take next week off. And then we'll come back and have more spring sports stuff to talk about. Um, And so, yeah, thanks for everybody for tuning in to the Magic Valley PrepCast. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here in two weeks on IdahoSports.com.